Hey there, and welcome to episode 32 of the Better With Running podcast. I'm Zach Newman from run to pb coach and runner. And we're back for another week. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Matty Davey. Yeah, it's great to be back, mate. I'm looking forward to catching up and hearing some ripper stories about um, how your week's gone. And yeah, just, just in off a, um, off a session, just fresh off the tan. And um, yeah, in, I'm uh, looking forward to, to hearing about how this progression run's gone. Yeah, mate, it's... Um... It's just been a, I think everyone's kind of felt, you can feel the positivity around town. Um, obviously off the back of, we're based in Melbourne, both of us, and you're down in the Mornington Peninsula, but the vibe with the the unlocking of Melbourne has, um, yeah, just seeing a lot of people out and about. And now that you've got cafes open and a lot more traffic on the road, I don't know if you've noticed that, Matty, but yeah, just come back off the tan and yeah, that's buzzing because we've, um, you know, we've still got the 25K radius, but um it's still, um, yeah, people getting out and about. It's good to be back in some of the, the familiar training locations, Matty. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, I mean, we get into that bit of a habit of, you know, picking our locations and, yeah, it got, obviously got taken away from us for a while, but back to get into the – but good to get back into that groove. And, yeah, I know most of my locations are, that I run are within 25 kilometres. So, yeah. yeah, I was happy with um, with that announcement. And, yeah, this – this week's, um, yeah, well, these last couple of weeks have been quite enjoyable for that, yeah, because of that that, uh, yeah. that extra bit of freedom we've got. Big step forward. And um, obviously, and it was good to see, I know um, one of our friends and partners, uh, the running company, particularly um, all their stores and particularly Melbourne now, um, back onto opening the doors and being able to actually trade um, face-to-face again after doing a lot of, um, over the phone and online consultation, which uh, has obviously been, they've had to innovate and, and be a bit challenged in that sense. But now I'm sure, um, I don't know, I saw a photo of the team with Brad and Renee and uh, Sammy the Shoe Dog was in there, Isaac Hockey and a few of the other members of the team. And it was, um, you could see how excited they were to be back uh, back out there in their shop and um, serving the, the runners. Yeah, yeah, it's great, isn't it, mate? No, no, it's, a, it's unfortunately outside of my, 25 kilometer bubble, but um, yeah, definitely putting it on the agenda to to get out there and and check some check the store out and jump on the treadmill and get a bit of an assessment and yeah, see what sort of uh what sort of sh- shoes might uh suit my oddly shaped feet. <laughs> yeah, I've um yeah, I'm definitely getting into the, into the store in the next few weeks to to get fitted out. I was chatting to Sammy um, previously about a couple of um, shoe options. And then we thought, well, let's, let's fingers crossed. We have some good news about retail and um, I can actually come in and um, yeah, get fitted out. So looking forward to, to joining the team down there for that one. Maddie, we've got a big episode lined up again. We've got, um, yeah, a few interviews in here. We've got some around the tracks. Uh, yeah. Some updates of what's going on in the run PB community, but um one one really uh, cool story and interview was um, Steph, who caught up with uh, her athlete Llewellyn, who completed a huge hundred k trail race that he set up around basically his backyard, and uh, off the back of some issues with this year, you know, cancellation of races. But to his credit, and uh, and obviously Steph in there as well, 
put together a plan and was able to execute a 100k he called it the no idea race because i believe they just couldn't come up with a name for the actual race so um but yeah gutsy gutsy performance to do that it was really tough conditions i saw the um I saw, I was sort of monitoring it through the weekend and social media and he was posting quite a bit of um, some of the updates, which was really cool to follow. And yeah, tough, uh, tough conditions for that one. And I also caught up with, so we're going to hear from, um, yeah, Llewellyn and um, Steph and they have a bit of a coach's catch up review, go through the right, go through how it all unfolded. So that's, that's a really good interview. And they also caught up with uh, Richard Welsh from Epic Events and Marketing down in Tasmania. And I, I no doubt a lot of our listeners have, I've probably run at one of Richard's events. He he really is a man about town down in Tassie in terms of events, and he's put on some some really amazing. You've you've done quite a few of his events, uh, Maddie. I would say over the journey, and he's um, done run the bridge, Cadbury. Um, they've now got lot Lonnie Ten that they put together, and um, some events up in Northern Territory as well. So be, it's really interesting to get his perspective on what's been a really interesting and challenging year for the events space. Yeah, it's um, Run of the Bridge, I actually reckon one of my favourite all-time races that I've done. I, I love going down and taking the trip down to Tassie. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a great so, race. Yeah. You, you've raced that one, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I went down and, um, yeah, just the way, I mean, the community down there, they get really behind the event, but it's also like you get a lot of, obviously, um, yeah, Victorians and New South Wales, and they'll all, all of us sort of get, it, get down there over on the plane and all catch up afterwards. And I think the way... Richard sets it up. It's a really good atmosphere for, um, yeah, all the runners, you know, elite and of all levels, really. It's um, it's really inclusive. And I think, uh, yeah, it's uh, I've really missed that uh, aspect of getting down there. So I'm looking forward mm. to some, you know, he's got some really cool things in, in store. And, uh, yeah, I think got a bit of an exclusive, I think he's going to drop in there that you'll actually hear um, regarding um, a big, upcoming event so um definitely stay tuned for that one yeah i think one of my favorite things about running the bridge was um also getting down to the uh cascade brewery afterwards um there's a fantastic brewery at the at the foothills of mount wellington um yeah beautiful location for for a race and yeah plenty of plenty of good um ales have um afterwards yeah so joshy harris uh was able to um show you the show the ropes in <laughs> the cascade brewery <laughs> Um, hey Matty, um, on to your running, mate. Another another big week in the bank, and um, I guess you celebrated the the unlocking with a couple of big uh, runs, including a massive one on Sunday. I think I was actually looking at our um, Strava Club um, our Strava Club totals, and I think you were might have been third, hundred forty eight k's, massive massive week. Um, how are the legs going? Yeah, and I was like, who beat me? Oh, I'm tipping Steph. Steph yeah, stop Steph Austin. Maybe Andy. Yeah. And Andy was up there, yeah. So um jerks. Yeah, Andy Buchanan on his um <laughs> his, what's what's he's actually trying well, to Well Andy ran three hours on Sunday and because he wanted to get over um over a thousand meters of climbing in one run and um yeah, yeah I questioned him about it because I know it popped up on Strava originally and it was it was like nine hundred and sixty something and then I don't know. He uploaded a different file and then it popped up at like, yeah, just over a thousand, like just under yeah. 1,100, I think was an amazing effort. Is that uh, right? Last week it's saying he climbed 2,657 metres for the week. 
Yeah, I mean, Steph Austin, um, yeah, she was 150Ks for the week with 2,000 metres of climbing. And uh, Llewellyn, uh, obviously, with his, he got the he got the win in the total running time, but 12 hours and 51. Mm. Um, I don't know why it's showing that, because he's it's probably more than that based on mm. um, what, he's, what he actually did on the um, 100K. But, yeah, and about 1,800 metres of um, climbing. So, yeah, massive. Some, some big climbing efforts there. Some, some huge climbing efforts, yeah. And I, I was pretty happy with actually the climbing that I did on it. Yeah, that Sunday runner. I, I um, yeah, parked it out at, um, I actually thought it was a church, first of all. It turns out it's a town hall. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, the, you know, the, the Sunday ritual, you know, heading out to church. Um, and then, yeah, it turns out it was a town hall. I was a little bit disappointed. But, um, yeah, I, I mapped out this route, just an out and back route from, um, it's right near Devil Bend and it you turn when you pretty much hit Dramana, um, okay. right next to a Higgin, Higginbotham winery, another amazing location out there mm. on the old um, God's Country, Mornington Peninsula. And um, yeah, so it, it ended up being just over two hours, I think two hours, six minutes, 29K and yeah. Yeah, nearly 500 metres of climbing, which is probably a little bit more than I've, um, than I've been used to and probably felt it in the legs for the next couple of days after that run. But yeah, I was, I don't know, it was enjoyable, really enjoyable run. And you know, I wanted to knock out, I want to knock out a couple of, couple of big Sunday runs because I really find it just helps with the back end strength, like leading into the 10K, um, hopefully we're hitting up in December. Um, so yeah, that, that run was, that was a really enjoyable run. And I really recommend anyone down this way. Yeah. Jump out onto yeah. the roads out there. I think I saw maybe five, five cars in the two hours and six minutes and I was on the roads the whole time. So yeah, yeah. It's, it was nice and quiet for a, um, for a Sunday morning. That's for sure. Are you crossing any major roads at all? Um, yeah, the Balnaring road maybe, which is, which is not major, major, but you know, it leads basically from Mornington out to Balnaring. Um, <clears throat> yeah, didn't see any cars when I ran across that road though. So, so yeah. you uh, going past the Devil Bend golf course, weren't tempted to, I guess now you can't jump on and do your um, jump uh, on without the stack out. I think it would have been about 7.40ish when I ran past there and there was some golfers out there already. And I was, yeah. I was like a little bit disappointed when I, <laughs> like, when I saw them out there. <laughs> I'm not gonna have to chuck the helmet on again and run around the golf course. Recognize you from your YouTube video. And, uh, yeah, yeah, got a bit of abuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, a cracking run. I'm just having a little bit of math, and um, yeah, far out. That's um, yeah, it's a big run, and uh, pace wise, yeah, it was a solid run still. Like with the climbing in there, it's a it's mm. old 429. You've got in your um, your description here, missed it. What do you mean by that? Oh, yeah, just missed getting out there because that was the first time. <laughs> was able to, yeah, didn't I mean, miss. Yeah. Missed a crown or something? Nah, nah, yeah. Well, I did, but um, yeah, that wasn't the reason why I wrote Mister. Just missed being, being out there and um, yeah, enjoying the serenity that um, yeah, that sort of that Murdoch location has. So yeah, it was a it was a good run. I know um, there was a couple others I saw out there and enjoying it too. And yeah, it was a it was a great morning for it. Um, yeah, it was a cracker on um, Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, because you I know you put up a. A bit of a video of um, your run with Al um, out at Yarra Flats, was it? Or Yarra yeah, I was. Um, oh, it was. It was so good to get back out to Yarra Flats. We hadn't been there for months and um, took advantage because probably most Sundays, you know, a regular uh, regular sort of routine. That um, that Yarra Flats run is is a staple, and 
yeah, it was just great to get out there. And it's uh, the thing I love about Yarra Flats is, um, you know, it's just 15 minutes out of the city and you're onto a, um, you know, basically off, you know, we, we start the Ivanhoe Boulevard and then head towards Templestowe, basically, you know, it almost connects, it, it does connect up to Westerfold, which is sort of um, uh, Stu McClay country, where I know Stu, um, one of the run to BB athletes, and he's been on here a few times. Stu does a lot of his running in that area. And, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's traffic free. I mean, we can you know, run 90 minutes, hour 45, and you're on a trail and you don't cross any roads. And coming from, you know, running a lot in the city and around the CBD, or not so much the CBD, but um, yeah, around the roads here where you do get a few traffic lights, it's, um, it's nice just to be able to get out there. And also on the softer trails, um, yeah. So it was beautiful morning for it. And uh, yeah, I'll... I'll capture the spot up near the wetlands, which uh, yeah, I'm trying to catch up to you on the um, on the filming front. So uh, trying to um, work on that game, but yeah, it was um, again so good just to get out and uh, yeah, I definitely missed it as well, Maddie. So did you have nice to buy the six pack to um, get him on the GoPro? Or? Nah, I'll probably do owe him something, but um, yeah, he, he did well. He was he actually enjoyed the um, enjoyed the stability and like just like roll running with it and go oh, i didn't realize how how easy it is to run with it and yeah it's telling him that you're out there running like a couple of hours with it so um yeah i ran every run last week in the end with <laughs> oh, so banking that footage <laughs> which um aiming to piece together a, a week of um a week of the training actually or, oh that'll be cool yeah um yeah that's the aim anyway <clears throat> and so including that, did you have it for the 1K? Because I saw you went out and had, uh, and there was a cracking photo that uh, we had to share on the, the run to PB that I think um, Jake, uh, he shared it on his and we reposted it and it was just good self and Jake running along. And you also had your um, one of your newer athletes there, Clay Hopgood, um, for the journey in your 1K reps. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Jake had messaged me for... A good few months ago actually asking if yeah if he was keen to catch up for a session um yeah and finally got got organized one um for yeah this week and and yeah he was he said um yeah he's coming uh, i said oh, i'll looking to do um yeah I'll, I'll do some interval an interval session and i said oh you know what w- what suits you and he said oh anything under 1k so i was like <laughs> all right let's go to 1k then that sounds good to me <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, thankfully, so my watch was always beeping, you know, when we, it was a 700 meter loop and my watch would beep at, at a K and, and his, his would beep probably about four or five seconds later. So he just stopped whenever mine was. So it was definitely less than a K for him. Um, so it worked out perfectly for, for Jake and yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, Clay came down as well. Um, yeah, obviously, like you said, one of one of our new athletes, and um, yeah, exciting to to have a run with him. And yeah, he lives down down this way, and um, yeah, he's looking to yeah get some get some structure and and um, join in with a bit of a group, um, get because he's never really had that before um, in his running. And yeah, so he he um, did he did DDK Fartlek, um, yeah, while we did the one k efforts. Um, hey, um, yeah. Matty Clay. He's got a Twitter account, I believe, that's um, got some pretty cool stats that he was, I know he was in a lead up to London. I feel like he had some great stats in there and mm. he's a bit of a numbers guy. So, yeah, yep. good to have him on board to um, yeah. maybe crunch a few numbers for us. Yeah, yeah, might need him for those stats. Yep. <laughs> Statistical <laughs> analysis. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so that was really good um, meeting up with those guys. So, yeah, I did six by 1K off 90 seconds and, 
Um, yeah, before the session, Jake asked what sort of um, pace I was hoping to run. I said around, um, started around 305s and then, yeah, feeling good, um, work it down from there. And yeah, I think the first was about 303 and then the rest were either bang on, either bang on three minutes or um, yeah, just to, just dipping under around 257. So yeah, it was a good session. Um, and then he, he, he dropped me. I was, I was leading most of the reps and then he dropped me in the last one. Um, yeah, he's got some really good wheels, Jake. Um, yeah, and he's obviously yeah. really strong at the moment. He's, um, I'm interested to see how he goes over over summer. Um, yeah, so keep an eye out for for Jake uh, in the orange uh, Mornington Peninsula Athletic Club uniform. Yeah, he's known as uh, Cobber Stevens on Instagram. He's always putting up some pretty cool posts, and uh, yeah, he's um, he's got some wheels, hasn't he? Like you were saying, I'm just trying to think. Um, What's his actual PB for? Did we got his PB for eight hundred? Nah, I don't. It must be. It's in the low one fifties, I reckon. Yeah, oh, I think it's it's bloody quick. I know that much. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's obviously and he's got an engine for a guy who's you know one one low one fifties guy to um, jump in and start. I know he did some of the cross country season. Uh, yeah, he always sort of um, supports the athletics scene yep. here in Victoria. So he's great around there. Yep. I'm actually just just double checking what he, yeah, wow, well, he won 150, and it's 352 for uh, 1500. So yeah, no wonder he, him and Clay were absolutely smashing me in the stride. They were just leaving. They were, I just, I felt like I was jogging. Yeah, <laughs> they were just leaving me for dust. I felt yeah. so inadequate on those strides, and like, oh, I'm glad we're doing longer reps here because there's no chance I'll be keeping up in the short, in the short efforts. <laughs> Yeah, nice. yeah, well, um, yeah. And how how's your um your week? And yeah, we just said before you've been back, just fresh back off your progression run. One of your yeah. sessions, Zach, one of your. It absolute, is. I do enjoy it. Session to do that would be the one you would choose. Well, it's just a staple at the moment for me. Just coming off that five k, like I know now, pushing a ten, I needed to do just do a bit more work at getting um getting strong with the back end, and I find I've always use these progression runs to develop that side of things and running on tight legs as well. Like I think, you know, with, with hopeful news in the new year, we can look at a, you know, a half and potentially marathon. I think this is a good time to start really layering those in. And yeah, I, I kind of pegged out doing um, at least, you know, three weeks of them. And um, yeah, this is my third one. And I just changed locations. I did one, um, out on the Gardeners Creek last week. And then I went back to the old stomping ground at the tan. And it's it's been different because a lot of my, as we're starting to move around a bit more, a lot of my runs have been on flatter um, areas. So to have the tan and um, you obviously got the hill I run in reverse, so I don't go up Anderson mm-hmm. Street. Um, and, but you do get that real grinder around past the shrine. And yeah, I was sort of feeling that on the second, you know, into the 30, 40 minute mark. But yeah, really enjoyed just getting there, and um, yeah, it's it's a challenging run. It just keeps to um, just you just feel it really build up on you, and I think it just simulates what happens at a race, and particularly in the longer races. So yeah, I um, enjoy doing that one, Maddie. It's really that high end aerobic work, and yeah, it's great for the strength, I reckon. Um, yeah, I, I like doing. I, I don't do them as much as you, but yeah, I reckon it's it's a it's a just it's a, it's a um you can just get out there and just keep rolling you know you don't stop and change your shoes or anything you just yeah yeah you just get out you know you do your 10 15 minutes easy then you steadily build and and what i guess one of the things you 
you sort of, um, I know I've seen you comment to your athletes is make sure, you know, don't go out too hard and, you know, gradually build into it. It's meant to be a progression run, not like specific stages where you go, all right, I'm on, you know, 350 pace, then I go to 340 pace, you know, gradually build up um, yeah. what you try to focus on. And, and then these ones, because I've, I've been trying to really work that aerobic, so I've been actually doing only 10 minutes um, and then 50 minutes, basically, of just building slowly and getting used to that. Um, a, a lot of it's sort of getting that um, timing and the rhythm in that sort of 340s, 330s, where you just get along and, you know, going along the um, Yarra Trail there. It's just like concentrating for that amount of time and just finding um, a flow. And then, you know, every 10 minutes, I sort of just just um, dial it up a little bit. And then it, it's also challenging, obviously, when you're throwing a hill because you want to keep keep the pressure on but not absolutely bury yourself. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I do enjoy them, Maddie. And, uh, and yeah, I actually um, I did uh, a workout last Saturday. Just before you go on, you know how you said you did anti, anti-clock, what is it, anti-clockwise, the reverse lap of the tan? Yeah, yeah. That's so you um you still realise that you've got the CR around that way? Oh, have I? Yeah. Uh, Do you know who's second? Probably not. No, I haven't. Um, I thought Luke someone Matthews. would. Luke Matthews. <laughs> oh, I think some someone decent will now go and just pass. <laughs> it's um yeah. You were keeping that one quiet, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um yeah, it's uh it is good to be back at the town. I tell you that much for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and then you got to say a. Yeah, like I was just going to quickly say, um, yeah, just getting back and, and thinking about how you did your workout with um, with Jake. I was uh, obviously talking last week about being excited about getting on, um, getting out to Princess Park with uh, Frankie, who's who's previous guest and obviously a training partner of mine. And it's um, because I've done so many workouts solo. It's just an interesting dynamic, and I was actually a bit heavy from the just I think just the last few weeks of sort of hitting the 100Ks and started off in that session. It was a 12-minute and eight and a four-minute. And in the 12-minute, I was like, well, this is going to be a tough workout. Um, But I think just having someone else there and I was able to reset and start the next rep and kind of just have someone else there to pull me along. I think if I was there by myself, it could have really turned ugly. So, yeah, it was was good to train with someone um, once again with, uh, with Frankie. Yeah, he's an interesting character too. Like, I love having a good chat to Frankie. And then I think it's not, like, even if you're not doing the session together, it's it's warm up. I know, like, like with Clay um, during the week, uh, we weren't doing the same session, but just having someone there to, to warm up and, um, yeah, throw a bit of banter around and then warm down and chat, see how each other's sessions went, how you're feeling, what you got planned for, you know, the rest of the week or something like that. Um, yeah, it's just... You know, it's a, it becomes a bit of a social aspect instead of going out in the pub and, and um, enjoying a beer. It's like we go out for a run. Um, Particularly last Saturday, it was horrible conditions. So, like, yeah. I know we'd committed to do the session and, um, you know, I met him and um, we were able to warm up. And there was, there was hardly anyone around Princess Park. I was expecting to be, obviously, with the weather, when, it, when the rain came in, there was just no one around. And, yeah, it would have been a re- really tough, even just getting out the door and warming up could have been one of those sessions you kind of push out different times to, but when you have a set, you know, time that you're going to start, it just allows you to, to, to really focus in and get it done. And um, yeah, it was, it made it a lot easier on a, on a day like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I was, a, <clears throat> I was impressed because I, I was out running that morning and I was like, oh, geez, I'm glad we did my session the night before because, yeah. or the day before actually, because yeah, that was horrendous weather. Mm. Um, and yeah, we've had a, a we put a um, question out to the coaches, run to be their coaches to see um, how some of their athletes have been tracking, if they've got any standout performances or anyone that's going, yeah, going really well and ticking the boxes. And so, yeah, crossing across to our around the track segment. Yeah, always good to hear from what's happening with uh, some of the athletes uh, in various parts of Australia and, and over the globe, really. But um, yeah, Joshy Harris is one of his athletes, Amy Stockwell. She had a belt of a run at, uh, in Alice Springs. She's obviously up there training and working and um, yeah, came third overall in a 6K trail race. So yeah, fantastic. And she's been doing this series, uh, it looks like every kind of week. And I suspect uh, with, with um, park runs starting to kick off in different states, this is part of the kind of um, couple of the scenes that are trying to kind of just trial events and get things going. And this one, um, yeah, so she was able to get third and a big improvement from the week before. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, Chris Armstrong, who's got a shout out here to Chelsea Nicholson, who's yeah, been uh, training really consistently and has really improved her pacing skills uh, heaps over the last month. Um, excited to see, he's really excited to see how she goes over the summer. And you know, it's one of those things, though, that pacing skills, it's um, something that, um, yeah, takes a little while to, to um, be able to get that feel and that judgment of pace. And yeah, once you've got it, um, yeah, it can really help you. And yeah, so absolutely see. Very exciting to see how, how Chelsea goes over the summer. Yeah, and I think this, this time without races, it's um, obviously doing a lot of sessions and it's been a good chance to practice some of these things and know that when races do open up, which, you know, now we're really starting to see a ramp up towards it, people can can go out there and test it and trial. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting to see. And actually we did see... I've got a few of Brady's athletes who went around and were able to test out their pacing skills and actually in their first 10K on the track, which is, um, yeah, then Bankstown were holding a meet there. They had the, obviously, the New South Wales Championships, um, 10,000 metre championships. They also incorporated a community 10K, which was really cool to get, um, give access to um, runners that probably have never, you know, even envisioned going on a track and running 10K and, I think it's a great concept and we had um, and Brady sort of sent through some results and we actually posted that um, video on our socials showing that um, two athletes that went one and two in the community 10k was Sam Jones and Dana Odinson and um, yeah massive runs from them and you caught a bit of this I actually flicked it over to you and you watched the last sort of couple of k Maddie and uh, it was it was really awesome to see these guys um, who now incidentally met at a 5k I believe it, Brady has it confirmed I think it was at a park run they met a while ago and then mm -hmm. realized they were both run to BB both um, coached by Brady and then started doing workouts together and both went and crushed their PBs in this uh, community 10k yeah it's that eight second difference between the two as well so that's a how good a race is that and yeah that um, yeah that last the last lap by Sam was so yeah. obviously finished so strong um, and a 307 last kilometre um, on a 10K track race. Like that's a, yeah, great signs for, for both of them. Um, and yeah, and the did you, you catch the commentary? It was a great call with uh, James 
Constantine, his name, um, and Matty uh, Whitbread, the, the two guys who put on an awesome live stream and they, they called it with these two sort of going at it. And I know, um, yeah, Sam made a bit of a move and yeah, that last K, like I said, 307, but I think Dane actually ran like a 313, 314. And it was, it was, it was really exciting to see these guys who so effectively as, um, yeah, just, you know, in a sense, just started their running journey and have just gone from um, strength to strength and now getting on the track and doing that over 10K. Yeah, and I, and I imagine, like, yeah, meeting people as well. Like, mm. that's also part of it. Like, it's not, yeah, obviously it's just, it's about the running, but then, yeah, meeting, because there's so many amazing people um, involved in the running circuit. And, yeah, just um, great to see them to um, meeting up and, and getting some workouts in together. Yeah, and also Brady had um, in the B grade New South Wales 10K Championships actually uh, Dave Kennett gone into the one of the winners into the um, on the podium there with a third, and he ran um, thirty three twenty four. So trifecta of um, PBs from uh, three of Brady's athletes all debuting on the track. So uh, yeah, happy hunting ground at uh, Bankstown for for those guys. Yeah, it's so good, isn't it? Um, and then also Brady had Marcus Bay. Um, his birthday half marathon uh, that we talked about in the yeah. uh, run TV virtual tent uh, a couple of weeks ago um, of 1.32 uh, in the rain and wind and, and paced by Jack Davies as well, which was, um, yeah, exceptionally nice of, of the great man. So, yeah, congratulations, Marcus, and what a, what a fantastic way to celebrate your birthday. Yeah, Marcus is um, he's an absolute legend down in the Maribyrnong area because I've I, I've seen him when we were heading out there for park runs. I'd always see him. And if you actually um, jump on his stride, he's so consistent. He's sort of um, built just those blue bars of um, consistency there. And, yeah, to go out and do that in – it was uh, tough conditions the day he did it as well. So it was, um, yeah, fantastic running from, from Marcus. And then Jack Davies had uh, Chris Timewell uh, do the run the main virtual five-kilometre. Uh, running at 21.57 and now switching some focus on some shorter events for the proposed ABSL meet. So it'll be interesting to see uh, Chris out there. Um, yeah, we might even we might even be uh, be out there ourselves, Zach, running around. Yeah, it looks like there's um, a bit of a track season that's forming and some um, various <laughs> events. So that'll be exciting. And I think, um, yeah, a few, a few athletes um, are talking about um, testing themselves over on the, on the track. So, um, yeah. Definitely uh, excited to see where that one goes. Yeah, the congratulations to Chris. And then he also had Sapreeth, who's based in Texas, um, who's been traveling really well and just doing a half marathon time trial on November the 13th. Um, this will guide his prep for uh, the future halves and marathons over the next year or two. Um, yeah, and so you got some news from, um, from his uh, Strava. So. Yeah, I, I saw something pop up just, uh, well, it came through to us today. I think it was so Wednesday back in the US. He surveying the damage. Um, he's been out for a run in Oklahoma and it's the weather looks horrible. Like seeing uh, 30, you know, that's 30 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. So it's cold, like probably what, three degrees or something is out there. And the photo he's got on his travels, this trail that's just been um taken over by some falling trees and yeah he was um out on his his hour run that had to kind of abort that one um but yeah it looks like some wild weather over there and um yeah excited to see what's the 
um, going to do in this half marathon because um, all reports from Jack, like I said, he's um, yeah, he's, he's definitely um, building up nicely. Yeah, he is. He's fine, and hopefully, um, yeah, it gets better better weather than um than that day that he's um done this done this surveying the damage run. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and Gemma, um, she actually had a mention here for um Fiona Foreman, and and look, this is one of those. One of the things in um, running is obviously we talked about um, these guys running the 10k BB and and these results that are coming through, but also some of these big milestones are just when you've come back out of um, some adversity and when you've had some injuries and just to actually get that first run back. And she was actually supposed supposed to run uh, New York, obviously um, no travel, no mar- no New York marathon, and now it's just a uh, given what's she's gone through to get back and get her first run back um, since, yeah, for over a month now she's been battling with that. So um, big achievement, that's for sure for uh, Fiona. Yeah, I know Gemma was really excited to um, yeah, see her getting her first run backs. Um, yeah, since her hurting her back and yeah, unfortunately, yeah, one of those things, isn't it? Um, that, yeah, missing out on, on New York. Um, but yeah, I'm sure she'll, she'll be back out there um hopefully I, I guess if if races um are up again next year um and you have will goodall zaka one of your athletes yeah. i even um yeah potentially doing a hill session with him at some point but yeah you he's um done a classic quarters session yeah will's done quarters a few times now and um yeah this is evolved from um we've done a lot of work around um a bit of a a block for a 3k and then a 5k time trial and now we're um he's actually got a 10k in the next week but we wanted to just um get back on the track and he went out um back in june he did um quarters and um sort of the way he attacked it the way he got through quarters last time was um he probably found that his floating was a bit slower like he was probably taking pushing um pushing the reps out at a good pace, but they're probably just backing off. And I know when you've done quarters matches, you try and keep the floats pretty honest. And that was one of the things we were kind of working on um, in this quarter session. He went out and uh, yeah, he ran 17.22 for his quarters. It was a, it was a great session. And um, you know, his 400s were quicker this time. And yeah, so it just, it bodes well. I think um, with what Will's doing, he's, he's really putting himself um, in the best possible position with um, his consistency. I know we've done some hill tempos and hill sessions. Um, so we've really alternated um, a few fart legs and now getting on the track. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see where things will go with Will and I'll, I'll probably jump on on the pacing uh, train for that, um, that 10K. Yeah, and they always, I guess, say that the quarter session is um, pretty well related to what you could run for your 5K, um, for, for your 5K best at that point. Um, and I know in the past I've found it quite accurate um, for myself. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, it's not always clear cut, but yeah, so it's what 4.8K session where you go eight by 400 on 200 float. Um, and yeah, I always, I always try to keep the floats at around 45 seconds. Um, and not try to, I know some people like to bang that last float because um, yeah. you finish on a float. Um, yeah, to, to make up a bit of time. But yeah, no, Will's done an amazing job there and it's great great to see. Um, and I hope, yeah. We're definitely targeting that 17 minute mark. So I think it's, uh, he's in the ballpark there. And uh, mm. I think also, and we were just chatting um, the other day about 
the the factors of you know getting back to a park run and having someone mm. there like he's he's um yeah he, he's fired up for it so and we're actually gonna um yeah we're we're also talking about he wants to get on the track and do a mile time trial which would be a bit of fun so oh, yeah. we might um we'll throw that in the mix as well because he's got a really good range so yeah exciting um exciting to see we'll um do that session and you had another one of your athletes apitha zaka yeah apitha is um based in bangalore and um yeah obviously her focus is the 800 sort of 1500 and track meets over there are hopefully going to get going in march next year so we're in a really big base phase um some of the tracks aren't even open there they're obviously having um they're still going through um, a lot of covid cases so it's they've actually now starting to at least get access to a mud track, uh, which she can start to utilize because a lot of the roads there aren't um, ideal or some of the, um, some of the trails. So we're hoping to get on there so we can start doing some quicker stuff um, maybe in you know, November, December, but yeah, we actually got a three K time trial, which is um, going to be pretty, pretty put, Probably uh, Peter sort of agrees that go outside of a comfort zone a bit, but it's um, nice to have a bit of a goal there because of this strength phase and no real competitions as yet. So yeah, that's um, that'll be that'll be good to see how that unfolds for uh, Peter. Yeah, absolutely. And I had um, yeah, one of my athletes. I was really impressed with her long run on Sunday. Um, so she lives up in Brisbane, Talia, um, and she's building towards a ten k. And yeah, I really wanted to get some strength over some hills and, and incorporate them in her long run. And I know they've got a, a, a really um, hilly uh, location on the trails out at Mount Kutha. Um, and yeah, so she did a two hour run and climbed 625 meters over the, oh, wow. over the two hours. Um, and with the first three caves, it basically goes up 65, <laughs> 65, 65 meters, each of those caves. So you're up Ooh. 200 meters in the first three caves. So that's yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're putting yourself in into the deep end um, pretty early on the run, and then you got to got to hold on for yeah another hour and a half or so. Um, yeah, and I think I don't know by looking at the stats and looking at the graph, I reckon it might end, end up rivaling a Fernie run because um, I reckon we would probably hit around about six hundred odd meters on a on a Fernie. Yeah, run. pretty sure um, creeks like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, such a good strength run, but it'll be the last one she'll do before yeah um, her ten k in a few weeks. Um, yeah, I really can't wait to see see how she goes there. Um, yeah, so because uh, I want to keep the maintenance of the of that strength, but really focus on the quality um, over these next few weeks. So yeah, just gonna back that long run off a little bit. Try to yeah back the time. or probably keep it around keeping at at around two hours, but backing off the amount of um, amount of climbing that goes into into that long run, just so that can um, yeah hit the quality. Uh, focus on hitting the quality over the week. Um, yeah, so really looking forward to see how she goes. Yeah, and also lastly, um, Steph Austin. Obviously, our, um, a lot of our athletes are ultra runners and in that trail scene, and um, she's had some some really epic um, runs come through, including uh, Eloise finished a solo 100K through, through some snow, rain, and uh, every possible element um, on Monday. So, um, yeah, fantastic um, effort to do that. And... Um, just at the other end of the spectrum, um, Matty Pilly. Um, so he's actually kept his PB streak going and um, cranked out a 17.15 for a 5K. So, yeah, a great, crazy um, effort here from him just to keep that PB streak going because I, I reckon um, 
in the last three or four <laughs> round the tracks. Matt's um, featured in the um, in the PB yeah. uh, for the 5K. He's flying at the moment, isn't he? Um, yeah, and then Carrie Easley is currently adventuring for six days in a multi-sport event with kayak, bike, and hike around Tasmania. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's... Um, yeah. Very cool to um, yeah go down to Tassie and do that one. And um, Mel D, yes, um, yeah, she's actually jumped on the track for the first time, and that was um, yeah. And we were talking. I know um, actually we went um, Andy and Brady in the four hundred reps segment we had on um, a training talk last last week, and I think we've had a bit of feedback where it has sort of inspired a few people to jump on the track who were possibly intimidated by it. And I think just getting on there and not so much just doing one reps, but just getting, getting on the track and, and being, um, yeah, just getting familiar with being on the track and probably losing, um, not being intimidated by it. I think it's mm. always got that um, feeling, I guess, uh, around town sometimes for runners that maybe they're not meant to be on there or it's only for, you know, club runners and all the rest of it. But I think, um, yeah, so great to see Mel um, jumping on the track for the first time and also yep. challenging herself with um, a, a trail run as well um, from Mel D. Yep. And then Robbie and Justine, uh, who rang really strongly over the Hasten 60Ks and looking good for the Tarawira uh, 100 next year. Hopefully that um, that goes ahead because I've seen some footage of that race and it looks amazing. So, yeah, good luck to those guys in, in preparation for that. And we also got, um, and also, as we mentioned at the start of the episode, uh, Llewellyn's um, solo 100K, and we actually got, uh, we had Steph had a chance to actually catch up with Llewellyn and um, talk us through that. And I think, Maddie, you've had a listen to this. It's, um, yeah, really interesting the way he went about this and such a gutsy and uh, amazing performance from Llewellyn. Yeah, it was. not I mean, it's unfortunate that all the 100K races, all the races that he'd um, entered this year, unfortunately, didn't go ahead. So he's like, yeah, why not plan it myself and, and get out there and get it done? So, yeah, let's um, let's cross to it. Alrighty, so this is um, Steph Austin, one of the run to bb coaches, and I'm very happy to have with me um, over a bit of a Zoom chat, um, Llewellyn, who over the past weekend completed the very cool No Idea 100K, which was his solo effort at doing his first ever 100K after lots of cancellations this year. And um, he did an amazing job finishing in 13 hours 03 with a bit of adversity along the way. And we thought we'd have him on here today to have a bit of a catch up on how it went. So Llewellyn, how are you feeling at 48 hours post run? Uh, pretty good, surprisingly good after running a hundred kilometers. Uh, definitely can't complain about that. So you've been able to like sleep and eat all those normal things again after the event? Yeah, I didn't sleep particularly well the night of the run, I thought I would get home and pass out straight away, but I woke up at 10 to 6 the next morning and was awake from then. So, but I had a few naps through the day to make up for it. And after that, everything's been pretty much back to normal. Oh, that's good. I know that it's, um, I certainly find I'm pretty wired after an event and it's really, I think your body still thinks you're running. So it's, um, <laughs> it's a bit hard to get back to normal sleep patterns, but it sounds like you've, um, like it's good that you've got some of those naps in and and how's your body like do you have many doms or any niggles at all um 
I did something to my foot um, in the race and that's still giving me quite a bit of grief. But outside of that, all my muscles and everything pulled up really well. Um, not overly sore at all. Um, I've been using the roller a bit and that's been, been keeping me happy and yeah, good. That's amazing. So <laughs> made of steel, you must be. <laughs> so um, I guess I'll um, just start with what was your, um, I guess, with all the cancellations happened this year, I was very, um, very impressed that you wanted to set up your own um, 100K. So firstly, how did you think of the name, the no idea 100K? <laughs> well, I didn't. My brother came up with it because he asked me, he asked me, what's a, what's a name for our, uh, for your 100 that we can put up and share with people? I've got, I just went off the cuff, no idea, make up something. <laughs> and he just went with that. And it, it suited pretty well because as I haven't done one before and was doing it solo, I had no idea what I was doing or what was coming for me. <laughs> oh, well, it's very, I, I think it sticks well. And uh, hopefully with COVID will go away and normal events will come back. But if not, it might have to be an annual event. <laughs> yes, maybe. <laughs> so I guess what was your, um? you sent through, one of the things I like all my athletes to do is just like send through a bit of a race plan um, going into the event. And I really, um. I liked your, I guess, the way that you, I guess, your, what were your two concerns going into the event that you listed? Do you remember? Um, one, I'm pretty sure, was nutrition, I think. Yeah. Yep. Just uh, over, over 100Ks and never having, the longest run I've done before was only 53, which was the um, Snowy Mountains Trail Run, that the same race that you, you did when they targeted as a 50k but there was a few extra on at the end there so um <laughs> yeah so um so just going into that uncharted territory with eating um was a was a real yeah just a concern because i just didn't really want to blow up and just feel absolutely miserable from from not eating properly but everything went pretty well with with eating i was actually quite surprised at uh not not having any stomach issues or real major low points with my energy that just was a real concern. So that That's went quite well. So what was your strategy? Um, so my main strategy was tailwind. I think I ended up drinking about six litres of it. Yeah. I was having about 500 mils every lap. So I had two laps. One, one lap was just over 10 Ks. And the other lap was uh, just over nine. So yep. I was stopping at an aid station pretty much bang on every 10 kilometres. So I was stopping there, getting some proper food. So I had watermelon, apple, bananas, sandwiches, lollies, little Snickers, and was, was having, having uh, yeah, probably half a sandwich and some fruit and a handful of lollies every stop. And then when I was actually out running, I was just, just drinking Tailwind. And yeah. then, yeah, so I yeah. think I ended up drinking six litres of Tailwind, probably ate about five sandwiches, half a watermelon, a couple of apples, some bananas. I think a, a bottle of Coke got in there too. That's good. Towards the end to pick me up. So, no, it all, it all worked out really well with the, with the nutrition. And I guess from your last run that you did in the Snowies, I think that was the issue, wasn't it? Nutrition was what let you down. How does what you ate in this run, like, like, I guess, amount wise compared to the last run. I know obviously it's twice as far, but do you feel like 
you probably ate more per kilometre in this run than the last run? Uh, yeah, I definitely ate more per kilometre and doing it by myself and having that experience of blowing up a bit in snow is really helped me focus on maintaining and making sure that I, I kept eating and kept those calories coming in because I knew that from the snowies that I just pretty much had to stop and try and sort myself out and just couldn't keep going and I didn't want that to happen anywhere over the 100 kilometres. So, but yeah, I took in a lot more and because of the 100k compared to the 50, the pace was a lot slower and because I was doing it by myself, there was no real pushing racing against anyone else. It was sort of just against myself. So yeah. in that way, yeah. it was quite, quite good doing it solo that there were no real outside influences that made me, that distracted me from, from what my plan was. Well, that's 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 and I guess the biggest thing that I'm the positive that I feel from that is going forward into races where there are other people um, is that by just focusing on yourself and doing your own race you can like get your body to perform as well as possible and I hope that's like I guess lesson to all those that want to do their ultras and I think all of us have to do a blow up to realize how important that really in an ultra you can't really eat enough <laughs> like you're gonna burn through it um in one way or the other and having that constant energy on board starting conservatively and just sticking to your plan how that you know i think stomach issues is one thing that like you know like affects most people when they do an ultra so the fact that you've done your solo one and you got through and that wasn't an issue like i think that's um that's huge kudos to you and um a very good lesson going forward to all your future events too yeah thank you and um, i guess the other one i think you mentioned was the weather so what were you worried about yep. with the weather <laughs> so the week leading up to the run there was probably 40 mils forecasted on saturday when i'd planned to run so i was worried that i was just going to be running in rain all day but after what happened it was probably would have been better if that occurred so it it started raining three k's in so i ended up wearing a raincoat for about the first 30 kilometers ish yeah and then um the storm that was coming sort of passed and the sun came out and the lap that i was on was protected from the wind so it felt like it jumped up about 10 degrees in a matter of minutes and I, um, oh, sweat coming out of every pore instantly. It was like being in a sauna. It was that humid and steamy. And it just beat my body up something fierce. It didn't know how to deal with it because it wasn't consistent. It kept doing that. And then the clouds would blow over and I'd get a bit of wind and get cold and then get hot again. And yeah, I don't know. Body just sort of got a bit zapped and didn't deal with that real well. And, um, but I knew that my... Um, hydration and nutrition was on point so I knew that what I was feeling wasn't from lack of eating or lack of drinking and the pace was quite slow and I was comfortable doing that so I knew that the, it was just the weather beating me up so when that happened I made the decision to slow down and do a bit more run walking for that one lap which was from k30 to about 40 yeah um, still didn't recover as much as I hope I would so I ended up doing that again for the next lap and decided to have a longer stop at the aid station at 50k so i think i ended up sitting down for about 15 minutes then um the weather changed again for the better it got a 
bigger storm came over and it got cooler. So um, I went back out and yeah, I felt heaps better. Could yeah. pick up the pace again and maintain that pace for about the next 12 Ks. But then I ended up hurting my foot and that that's eventually what slowed me down yeah. for the rest of the day. And with your training leading in, what kind of weather were you normally training in? Like, were you, um, I'm guessing, like, I, I just look, after looking at all your Insta photos, I know it starts to be the warmest down where you are. So has it been more cold or hot weather that you've been training in? Uh, all sorts, really. I've had some really miserable, windy, stormy runs. Um, it's definitely heated up over the last few weeks. Um, but it hasn't been particularly humid. It's been just hot and dry so the humidity I think is what got me on the day but um yeah it's been a real mixed bag leading up to to this run yeah and I think I guess like I guess learning from this kind of experience too is I guess the hardest thing with the weather is trying to like not so much not get too hot or not to get too cold but just to just regulate your body temperature that you're you use lots of energy either cooling down or heating up and it's very hard when the weather changes as quickly as it does to um to account from that. And I definitely think from a from a fatigue point of view, getting too hot makes you tired um, and and zaps you that way. But I always think what what will stop you finishing a race is getting too cold. So even though it was probably uncomfortable with the times that you got too hot and sweaty, and then you got those wind chill, and it was obviously much easier running in the cool. It's um it definitely um going forward i think that it's good that you didn't have to run too far into the night time because i think it's those drop-in temperatures that um burn up too much energy that you can't get through so i think i'm um, going i know that mount fuji is on your list <laughs> eventually yep. so that's definitely something about the um training in the specifics of the weather but i actually think you handled you're changing weather conditions the best you could. Like you can't, when the weather changes that fast, you really just have to try to um, regulate everything as much as possible. And the fact that you slowed down, you used the walk run strategy, which I'm really proud of because I know a lot of people go, oh no, I can't, I don't want to like, I don't want to walk. Like, you know, I want to be able to run the whole way, but it's such a good strategy to keep you moving forward. Um, but also, as you say, control your energy. So another really good, um, strategy that you use and obviously it helped you regroup and then until your foot gave you a bit of grief you were on the track to finish strongly <laughs> yeah yeah i was pretty lucky too so my dad came down and he set himself up with a gazebo at the aid station so i was stopping every time and he's a triathlete and an ironman so there was a few times i came in and sat down and said i felt fine he's like nah take that wet shirt off put on a dry one you're gonna get cold i'm like no no it's fine i'm not cold and him being dad just kept nagging at me and I'm like fine I'll do it and keep you happy and I'm pretty glad that he was there to to do that for me and um I think that helped too with uh with keeping me pretty level the whole day that's good and I guess will he be hired as a crew for your um next hundred <laughs> yeah yeah so he was already booked in for the for the UTA until it got cancelled so it was already in his calendar for this weekend so he just came up to my place for a visit instead well, I think um, that's perfect. And that, that also, I guess, highlights, I think, in the ultras that having, like, crew is so important and having crew that can be firm with you that will, um, I guess, as you say, nag you um, to do the right thing makes such a difference because um, a lot of the time you're in a state of fatigue and or you just don't want to be listening. And if someone can just tell you 
the right thing to do like you say take off that wet shirt it's um it probably then might have saved you minutes towards the end so well done dad <laughs> yeah i can't can't thank him enough he um he actually ended up running with me for a bit towards the end well i was hobbling hobbling along and he was just being a, a pleasant distraction he ended up running the last four kilometers with me too which was which was quite nice and uh yeah, like it was a pretty pretty special finish to the long day, helping me get across the line at the end there. Oh, that's excellent. That's um, that's so good to hear. So, I guess what's the biggest positive you've taken from this hundred k? I got it done. Twenty twenty was the year of the hundred k, and after yep. everything that was happening and getting cancelled, and then when the race got cancelled, I'm like, nah, it's still going to be this year, and I still still want to do it um i didn't quite get the the times or anything i was hoping which was out of my control which i can't say i'm not disappointed but i learned a lot and i still got it done and knowing that outside of an injury i definitely would have been within those goals that i'd set for myself so going ahead i'm i'm quite excited and know that those goals are very achievable no, that's that's excellent. And what about so you say what well, you learnt lots from it. So what was the biggest lesson you learnt from the run? Walking's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, hiking. that. Um, hiking. It sounds better. <laughs> yeah, hiking. Hiking. No. Um. That. Uh, yeah. That. A hundred k's is an awfully long way, and that if you pace it out right and start walking early you can maintain that quicker running pace for longer throughout the day and just, you know, hike up those hills and wherever you need to, that, and it'll get you there in a faster time in the long run rather than trying to push through and end up sort of blowing yourself up. No, that's, that's excellent. And would there be anything you'd do differently going into, like, going into your next one? Um, not particularly. Uh, so for this one, because the course was a lot more runnable than the UTA, it had, um, I think I figured out, only 1,600 metres of elevation, whereas the UTA had over 4,000. Yes. I aimed, was aiming for a faster time, so I went out a bit quicker than I would have at the UTA. So the only difference probably for the next one, which will most likely be the UTA, yes. pending everything going ahead next year, will just be just be that slower start and maintaining that pace a bit better. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was just because just of the course was a lot different. I um, just approached it a bit differently than how I originally had planned to do my race. I think too, what you'll find with UTA, not that I've done the 100, but I've done both like sections of the 50 <laughs> is because it's so hilly and it's so like so many stairs. <laughs> you don't have a choice but to sort of pace yourself. And I think yeah. sometimes the more runnable hundreds are harder because you don't get, like you have to choose to, as you did hike rather than like if there's if there's 990 whatever stairs in front of you, you have to hike up them. You don't, you can't run up Yeah, those. no one's running up those. That's exactly right. While in the, like a very runnable course, like I think people who do surf coast find this and, those, I guess, those more flatter hundreds, even Tarawera, it's so runnable. So it makes it really, um, you have to be quite disciplined with that. Um, and obviously the run that you did too with the um, 
the walk running, but um, I think that the strategy you use is excellent and I'm so excited to see how you go at UTA 100, all things going ahead in 2021. <laughs> so yeah, I'm quite excited too. Yes, yes, so it'll be um, the year of redemption, I reckon. <laughs> so aside from that um, UTA 100 in 2021, what else is on the cards for you in, yeah, next year? Uh, so I've already registered to go back and do the Snowy Mountains again. Um, or chasing another podium finish and you laid down the challenge of trying to chase down the time that you set a few years ago so I might give that a crack and um, I think with how um, you run 5k you've got me covered <laughs> <laughs> oh it's 10 times the distance so I don't know about that <laughs> and um, I'm waiting for the registrations for the rooftop run to open again they haven't opened up yet so I think they're still waiting to see what's happen, happening with restrictions um, come close towards the, end of, yeah, towards the end of the year. So I'm just waiting to see if I can register for that one. But if not, um, I'll have to look towards the tail end and tail end of the year and find some different races outside those two. Oh, that's, that's excellent. And I guess, how are you going to reward yourself now? Like, have you had, um, now that you finished your first 100K, was there anything that you had that you're going to do like this week or some kind of reward or is it just back to the grind? <laughs> no, I've been sitting on the lounge and I've taken the week off. Um, I'm going up to my parents' place. They live up near Huskisson. So I'm going to go spend a few days there on the beach. Hopefully the weather's not too bad and relax a bit before going back to work next week. Oh, very good. Very good. And I think, and I know we've organised it for you to have the month of November. I'm off, I guess, structured training. And I always think that after having, especially having a year that's just kept on keeping on <laughs> in terms of events and um, finish lines being moved, it's good to have the um, a month of, I guess, unstructuredness. So once your body feels right, you'll feel the urge to get out there and run again. And, but like, and that might not happen till the last day of, of November. It might yeah. happen in the middle of November, but I think it's very, um, when it's recovery, it's very good to have something like going away, visiting the folks, you know, just having some time where you don't think about running. So that sounds perfect. And then I'm very excited to see what um, 2021 will bring. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited too. Hopefully we can get a few more races in there and try to, well, not that their solo 100 wasn't good, but I'd much prefer to do it in a race with a few other people around. Definitely. And I think the other big kudos I wanted to say was the fact that you went to the finish line so many times, like you, but you kept going. I think that's um, a huge mental thing. So a lot of the time, like every hundred I've done, certainly you, um, <laughs> it's not like you even go near the finish. It's a point to point race. And it's quite, um, I think mentally just going, oh, I just have to get to the finish line. I can't get there any other way except on foot is like, it's sort of like it's helped some motivating factor, but a huge kudos to the fact that you went past that finish line <laughs> 10 times, but you Ten kept times, going. Yeah. So I think that's, um, yeah, so excited for the future for you and everything that it'll bring. And I hope that lots of the other listeners, especially those who are thinking about doing their first ultra or who have done them in the past, um, have learned a bit from, um, cause I think, yeah, you've certainly learned lots and you've come so far this year. So very excited what the, um, what the future brings, but Enjoy the um the recovery and I'll um we'll be chatting again soon. <laughs> I certainly will and thank you very much.
No worries. Thank you. See ya. What an amazing result from Llewellyn there. Um, got to be so mentally tough going past that finish line 10 times and to, to keep charging on. I know oh, I would have been struggling. Like you see the um, see the tent set up and then you're like, oh yeah, wanna wanna take a bit of a kip here. But no, nah, just to keep keep powering on is um yeah, massive kudos to Llewellyn. And yeah, really looking forward to seeing how it goes next year, targeting some more of those ultra race, some more you gotta, ultra races. You gotta stay off the back of doing things like that, Maddie. That 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 mental training and mm. it's gonna bode so well for when he gets in a row. Like race is gonna be easy for him once <laughs> once they kick off. If you can do that, that's um yeah. Huge effort from uh, from Llewellyn. Yeah, awesome. Now, Zach, you caught up with uh, Richard Welsh, as we mentioned in the intro. Uh, big name in the event space who gave us an insight into behind the scenes uh, of a tough year for the industry, but with some innovation and events in the pipeline. Yeah, it's um, it was awesome to catch up with Rich. Obviously, um, I would have uh, liked to have um, been down in Tassie before this to, to actually catch up, but it's been a while before we've been able to jump on a plane down there. So... It's, uh, as always, you know, Rich is so passionate about the sport. I think um, last time I saw him was up at the Gold Coast. He manages a few, including um, Millie Clark, and he was out on the course and um, doing so much just to cheer on his athletes and, and, and other athletes. But, yeah, he's so passionate about the sport and what he's doing. And I think I think the listeners are really going to enjoy hearing, I guess, um, from a bit of a, a peek behind the curtain in the event space because I think in we've always – almost been a little blindsided by what's happening with events and I don't think anyone's really come out and um, been able to sort of lay it out as to the challenges of um, what what's been happening in recent um, months to why we can't you know at least start to put foot down and get events going and I think um, Rich has got some really good insights into um, what where the sport's going and how um, you know we can get running events back on the um, calendar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it's a great chat and yeah, let's cross to it. Today, I'm joined on the Better With Running podcast with Richard Welsh. He's a founder of Epic Events and Marketing, a name now synonymous with uh, delivering and managing some of Australia's and Tassie's best fun run experiences, including the uh, Hobart Run, the Bridge Run, the Cadbury Hobart Marathon, the Tassie Sports Carnivals down there over the Christmas New Year period, including the uh, the Bernie Gift. Uh, most recently, the uh, Epic Events and, and Marketing have actually acquired the Launceston Running Festival and they've loaded that one up for a, a December event. Richard also manages uh, Sprint Sensation, 100-metre uh, Australian running star Jack Hale and Rio marathoner Millie Clark. Richard's got a degree in business and marketing and in the early days, Richard forged a career working at Athletics Australia, Athletics Northern Territory, Football Federation, News Limited, Run for Your Life magazine. You know, he's got a storied background and history in terms of uh, building his career before he took the plunge and uh, started Epic Events and Marketing. And uh, obviously the events industry has been turned upside down and as runners, we've been sort of waiting for the reopening of events and we're starting to see it around Australia. And I wanted to get Richard on to get his perspective on the return and, um, yeah, what we can look forward to. Welcome to the show, Richard Welsh. Great to have you on the podcast, mate. And we're just saying off air, yeah, happy to be back in Tassie and uh, after doing a few flights, which is a bit of a unique thing for uh, me being a Victorian here. How are you going there, Rich? 
Oh, mate, I feel for you guys. I really do. It's uh, I'm fortunate I got the first flight back from into Tasmania on Monday morning that you didn't have to self-isolate for. I, I've done two stints of it this year and wasn't keen on a third. Um, interestingly, I actually got stuck in New York back in March. I went over for the, the New York half with Millie Clark, who I oh, met. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I kind of, when, when Trump started shutting borders, <laughs> <laughs> shit got real, so to speak. So we fled. <laughs> I didn't think we'd be leaving New York early, but I, I'm glad we got out of there quickly. Yeah, oh, yeah. When you think back to, to March now, we're in November talking about just the fact that, you know, we're only just a few borders are starting to open up here domestically. It's, um, it's, been, a, it's been a crazy year. And um, as I had in the intro about your, your role in the event industry and um, what you've accomplished over the last few years with, uh, with Epic Events and Marketing, and this year has obviously been one of the, the most uh, challenging of, of your, um, of your business and, you know, the event industry as a whole obviously been hit so hard and we're just saying um, you're actually working now alongside a, you've joined a board that was formed during, um, I think it was May when, uh, is it AMP said you want to talk about that mate? And sure, sure. I mean, as you said, our industry like many has been decimated in, in 2020 and, you know, mass participation sporting events is really the last thing that governments wanted to be seeing in the middle of the pandemic. But What's been really nice out of it is the collaboration of event organisers. And, and we kind of joke now, we used to say, and it was a little bit secretive for some reason, it'd be like, oh, how much are you paying for your medals? Where do you get your signage from? Which <laughs> yeah. athletes are doing yours? And it was a little bit secretive, but for, for all of the bad things that's happened in 2020, the collaboration between event organisers and everyone within the industry has been purely amazing, to be honest, yeah. absolutely amazing. Every Thursday morning, uh, the group of us meet. It's the Australian Mass Participation Sport Events Alliance, or AMSI. Mm -hmm. And that formed really early with um, Chris Heverin, who's the head of Spartan Australia. And they recruited a, a bunch of people, including, you know, Wayne Larden, who's Blackmore Sydney Running Festival, Cam Hart, Gold Coast Marathon, uh, the, the guys from Ironman, uh, Dave Budge from HBF, uh, run for a reason over in, in WA, Joe Stevens from City of Bay. We've got a former New South Wales Premier. Nathan Rees on board, MO, like a, a, all these industry heavyweights and then a, a couple of lightweights like myself <laughs> have um, given it a bit of a balance around the country and we're really well represented and we've been meeting with state and territory sports ministers. We've all, all met with uh, our state sport ministers to press the concerns of the event industry. Um, we've, we've had a couple of meetings with the federal sports minister, Richard Colbeck, unfortunately, He's also the Minister for Ageing, so he's been copping a... a yeah, that's not a tough gig. Smashing from that angle. <laughs> yeah. So uh, getting getting his time, you know, he's been generous to what he can, but to be honest, they they got bigger things on at the moment. But we're making some good progress. We're, we've got a press conference coming up. We've been doing regular webinars supporting the industry and... Um, you know, and this came out of necessity. There's no Sport Australia is not doing. There's no none of the national sporting organisations are doing. This is just a group of like-minded people got together, and and we're becoming a real voice for the industry. And and the good thing is now that we're talking about what we'll do post-COVID and yeah. and how we support the industry. So this will be one of the best things that comes out of it for not just fun running and marathon running in Australia, but triathlons and cycling and and, and obstacle races and all those mass participation sport mm. events that we love to attend. Yeah, to get all those all those people on the same page and sharing knowledge and yeah, no doubt. Um, and, and from an athlete and someone who is obviously been missing events and a lot of the athletes that we coach and within the running community, they, they're all obviously 
wanting um, events to come back and they and to hear that, you know, a, an alliance like that's been set up and you, you're obviously doing everything possible to get this rolling again. And it is um, it is exciting that we're starting to see some things come back on. And uh, you had an announcement during the week or later in the week about uh, Hobart Marathon, which we'll go into. But um, before that, you did mention, um, yeah, you, you've been flying around a little bit. You've, you've been up uh, north as well and you've been able to get an event off the ground up there. Yeah, I've actually had two events in Darwin this year. So I, I've been working up there. I've organised the last seven or eight editions of the, the NT Santos City to Surf, we were called this year. So that was the 47th edition of the event. Um, so not, not that much older than the, the big Sydney City to Surf. And we yeah. we had to postpone. We were, we were in June and we thought, oh, no, we'll go October. Um, and I also had a cycling event, the largest cycling event in the NTs, the, the Sunbuild Top End Grand Fondo. And that was at the end of August. And Again, that was to be in July, just before the Olympics were going to be on. And then I was going to duck over to Tokyo and have a look at some high-level stuff over there, which I was really excited about. But we, we postponed. And it, to be honest, mate, Darwin, I don't know if there's any Darwin listeners here, but it's life is normal up there. There's people yeah. standing in bars and you know, they had 7,500 at the races, 5,000 yeah, well. footy. Mm -hmm. um, we... We had to put COVID plans in, but the government there was really, really good to work with. They had a clear pathway for getting approvals. Um, we had to make some changes. You know, we had waves, we had sanitizing stations. We didn't have a big, um, you know, presentations and, and we just managed those, those crowds, but they were really, um, really on top of it to work with. They kind of rolled the dice in the Northern Territory. They had a, their, their territory election in early August. So I reckon the government was like, well, we need to have a balance here of managing the pandemic, but having a free economy. And yeah. fortunately, they, um, they've landed on the right side of it. And it's a pretty safe place up there. Yeah, well, it's obviously good to get some learnings from that and then obviously implement them down in, with Tassie, with, with the events you've got going off. And uh, yeah, there's, uh, and you've recently acquired the, uh, the Launceston uh, Tassie Running Festival, uh, Launceston Running Festival, mate, and uh, that's a pretty exciting event. There's a half marathon happening as yeah, well. Yeah, made, made a few changes. So it's the old Launceston 10 or the Tasmanian Running Festival, as people might remember it. But to be honest, everyone said, just called it the Lonnie 10, but we've added the half, which is going to be a, a, a super serious race, and I'll go into that. But yeah, we renamed it the Launceston Running Festival. Um, it, it's going to be June weekend every year, but you know, hashtag 2020 that got changed. So <laughs> yeah. We are uh, going December 13. We've already got, you know, our half of our quotas already been filled pretty much. Um, but the half marathon is, is going to be super exciting. I'm actually going to try and get a field together and, and, uh, the fields that I've got are already amazing. Cause there's nothing else on. Yes. All the elite yeah. athletes are, are contacting me. Going, oh, I want to calm down. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, my, I normally pride myself on supporting elites as much as I can and with flights, accommodation, entries and, and things. But that's just not the case this year. It's, it's been, there's been so much extra work that's gone into getting approvals. Mm -hmm. uh, the sponsorship for events has taken a, a massive hit um, our time. I've never worked harder for less. Yeah. At, um, yeah. And I, I joke to people that, you know, getting sponsors for events. I've, I haven't had as much rejection this year as I have since high school. You know, <laughs> it's been, um, it's been super, super tough. So the, the you know, from that is the elites are understanding. They're grateful to have a race to come to. They're not asking for the world. Many of them are, are self-funded. So I'm really appreciative for that. And I, I won't forget it with my events in the future. I, like I said, I really pride myself on supporting 
the elites and the sub elites and then the guys are at my level when you know i was trying to get around and run 31 minutes or something back in the day and i was really grateful for a free entry like they're the guys that i want to be supporting i just can't this year but the fact that i've got an event up and going i think people are really grateful for and um, it'll be it'll be awesome on December 13th. So here's the plug, launcestonrunningfestival.com.au, half marathon, 10K, 5K, and a one mile. The half marathon could be Australian all-comers record. That's my target. If I can get yeah. coming, I'm chasing those 69 for the women and uh, 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 61.10 for the men. Uh, super exciting. I mean, there's um, yeah a lot of depth, obviously, in Australian running. And now... With the with the lack of international traffic travel, it's um yeah we're all in that position where we're going to see them go head to head on Australian soil, which will be which will be awesome, and um yeah and I think just going back to your point about supporting you, I think that as a running community that everyone wants to sort of band together and help events out and get there and not be, uh, you know, I guess asking for handouts or anything like that. I think it's it's a key is that the the athletes get behind the events and support as best they can because over the journey there's been so many events that um, you know, yourself and the other event managers you've uh, events you've mentioned have really supported uh, elites during the time. So yeah, it's um, great and exciting news um, re- regarding the Lonnie. And also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, the Hobart marathon, there was um, a lot of discussion about that, whether it was going to be still going to get the green light for January, but um, yeah, there was a, an announcement on Friday. And um, if you want to share those new, that news. Sure. Sure. So you, you like the ABC, you don't like sponsors. We call it the Cadbury marathon. Down uh, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give them a plug. Yeah. Cadbury Hobart marathon. We um, call it. So look, this will be the 38th edition of it. We were set for January 10, but obviously people take time and they need a long lead in to run an actual marathon. So we're 10 weeks out now. And I kept pressing athletics Tasmania own it and Cadbury are a very engaged sponsor. They don't just give us chocolate and money. They also give us their venue. So they're a very, very engaged um, sponsor and a lot of history with it. So we had to make a call as, as early as we could. And we're sorry it wasn't earlier. I understand people wanting to, plan their travel and the likes but to that point 900 participants travel to Tasmania for that event um and you know with the answer and probably half of those are from Victoria and so with the uncertainty of that and then the uncertainty of people being able to get flights um and and to be honest the appetite from the government at the moment is we kind of want a bit of a free economy but we get the feeling that you know on mass people coming down would it be a bit of a challenge so then I thought, you know what, it's starting to, things are, are getting against us. Um, but our sponsor is a chocolate company and they make Easter eggs. <laughs> and there's not a lot on around Easter. I know there's the yeah. Canberra Marathon the week later, but mm. um, Hobart will still be a really nice place to run in, in early April. And I thought, geez, you know what, Easter Sunday, Cadbury Marathon. Yeah. That's just perfect. So let's let's do that. And I used to work at the stall gift and we had the kids Easter clinic on a Sunday and we know how much fun we were able to have with that. So it's a really cool brand. We can, we can enjoy and, and everyone will be able to embrace Easter and, and there's no like must do running events other than stall if you're a sprinter, but yeah. middle distance runner. So, you know, this, we'll see how it goes, but it, it, we might revert back to the traditional January date of the second Sunday, or if it goes well, you know, we will we'll consider keeping it at, Easter Sunday, um, options open, but you know, there's, there's no rules this year, Zach. 
Yeah, no, bring, bring it on. I think, um, you know, have that option for a, a marathon in Australia around that time and a, another option. And also, um, I've already started pitching it to my partner that we can go down there and uh, spend the, you know, use the whole Easter break down there. So, you know, kick it off with uh, the marathon and continue on and go check out the uh, local hospitality and the wineries and all the rest of it down in Tassie. So, um, yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's going to be a, a great boom for the economy down there as well, having um, more people getting more access down there because I think it was getting pretty tight, you know, 10 weeks out and, and I don't think, you know, flights are probably not as abundant as they will be back in, uh, you know, that's like right. Yeah. Track. So I think it's a good move and it's exciting for um, a lot of athletes to start that build up knowing, knowing a definitive date as well. I think it's still probably, um, yeah, that's a big key with these marathons that a lot were getting sort of cancelled and postponed. So at least having a, a really good date in, in there that um, hopefully we can, uh, yeah. That'll be yeah, because because we're the literally ten days into the end of the year, we can still have the twenty twenty one edition. We we discussed virtual, but we think plenty of events have gone virtual at the moment. There's a bit of virtual fatigue out there, and you know I've been involved with a lot of them. We did the Great Australian Cross Country Challenge. I actually had Hobart run the bridge pre COVID had a parallel virtual element to it. Yeah. Um, been doing lots of virtual stuff for the Defence Forces and things, and setting up bespoke events for them so i've got quite a lot of experience but if we can if we can deliver an actual event um, i think people will will really really thrive on it and the other cool thing is there's a pitch if you want to come down it's a weekend where daylight savings ends so oh, you'll yeah. even though it'll be a 6 a.m start you actually get that extra hour beforehand so it'll be like a 7 a.m start oh, okay yeah, let's throw that in that's a good bonus yeah happy with that yeah. <laughs> um yeah and, and obviously you've been uh you, you did you catch the london marathon i saw um yeah, obviously it was exciting to see elites go around and from a spectator's point of view, but you might've been looking at it with your organizers hat on and is you'd have a few things there that were maybe some takeaways that, I don't know, I guess, is this the future of the majors for the, for the time being, I guess, uh, given the conditions overseas? Well, Tokyo really set the scene for it earlier in the year with having the elite only race um, mm. and no spectators and the like. So it felt like Tokyo 2.0. Yeah. Uh, with a with a lapsed course it was kind of a cross between tokyo 2020 and um the breaking two last year with the, the mm. ineos project and kipchoge being on the on the fast loop course yeah the, to be honest the biggest takeaway i took from it was the watch party the, yeah uh it was the inside running guys that was, had yeah. on it. and i i just tuned in as a fan and in, and enjoyed the banter and you know posted on the facebook page and i yeah. think that was the first time I've really done that sort of stuff. I'm not one for reality TV or Gogglebox or any of those sorts of shows. So it was it was um, actually quite pleasant as a as a fan to uh, tune in and, and see it from that place. So hats off to those guys for how it was presented. Um, but to be honest, I think uh, the the makeup of these races, the financial ingredients come into it such uh, such a big way. So a lot of the big time event organizers and sponsors I've been talking to is that the sponsors have been riding the year with them and still paying their royalties and, and still uh, paying their fees and there's still broadcast rights. Obviously the Kipchoge versus Bikili beat up, you know, early, yeah. even though it didn't eventuate with Bikili's torn calf, mm -hmm. it was still, um, it, it would have had big TV rights and big TV deals anyway. So I think in the short term event organizers um, were really keen to, fuel that demand for for watching high level events and you know the sponsors probably still kicked in the majority of what they do but 
in all honesty, mate, um, we need we need the masses. You know, yes. that's what that's what makes it. You know, yeah. the first thing you talk about when you talk about the London Marathon, the New York Marathon, is the 50,000 people that do it. You don't. You, then then you might go on to who won and how fast they ran, but it's it's always numbers. And whenever you meet other event organisers, and you you know, it's it's like. When, if we meet for the first time, I want to know what your PB is. Yeah. The equivalent for an event organizer is how big, how, how many people do it. So yeah. that'll still be king. And and the masses are what drives the interest. And that's, to be honest, that's what funds all those elite programs in, sure. in the main. I think 2020, hats off to London for being able to get it off the ground. And they got creative and that would have taken so much work to be able to do it. And they still yeah. invested in the elites. But we we want to see thousands upon thousands returning when when we can. Yeah, and I think as as a running community, yeah, like it is, it's nice to flick on and see that. But it's really when you're out there training, you want to be out in the masses. You want to you want to have that community again and go go to a you know go back to the to the expo or go back and travel and do all those things. So I think you know hopefully Australia is going to be leading the way as to the gradual return of all that and with with the events that are starting to come back and. Yeah, so, and back on that live stream, yeah, it was amazing what uh, Inside Running and um, were able to put together. And I think this time has probably, you know, pushed um, pushed a lot of events and, think, and a lot of these companies to pivot and start to really think about how they deliver their experiences. And uh, I know you had a, a really cool live stream with Run the Bridge last year, and then you had the digital finish line, was it? Um, so yeah, these sort of innovations um, that you you keep pushing is um, is really going to be great for the sport as well. Yeah, yeah, and I'm a I'm a runner myself. Well, I'm an injured runner. That's what my Twitter bio says. I'm always <laughs> injured, but I was a serious runner, so that's why I'm in this game. You know, I'm grateful to be able to do it, and we forever want to push the boundaries. And you know, we were the first fun run in the world. I think Ironman had done an LED finish line before, so. Mm. You know, hiring a helicopter and live streaming it to the finish line arch it's just kind of cool right so yeah. um, and they're the sorts of things we things like park run and cross country have been terrific but they're also a, a bit of a challenge because you know we're often running races on parts of roads where you can do for free at least you know monday to sunday you can go and jog it yourself ordinarily so we as organisers have to do something different and unique to encourage people to, you know, why would you pay 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 bucks to do your event? Mm-hmm. You really got to throw a carrot out there and, you know, whether that's a glossy finish line screen or your family can watch you run on a live stream at home or it's a cool medal or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, we're always looking for something to, that captivates people to, to want to choose that, those events. Yeah, I know. It's, um, it's, constantly evolving i love the way that you're looking at it and the, the passion obviously through your voice to um to get these events going again is um yeah, it's really exciting hey mate um another just a lastly you also manage some events uh some athletes sorry and uh you've got uh jack hale in the stable there the hailstorm um straight is you know six fastest all time um 100 meter run what does he run 10 12 for a 100 meters which is yeah crazy and um and you mentioned that you were in uh, new york in march with millie clark who's a you know, rio 2016 olympian that you also manage how's it been from those uh that perspective as a as a manager and sort of working with your athletes there in terms of how they're how they've been going with the uncertainty around races and events 
you know what it was like a um and this is a probably a bad analogy so maybe a, not a not a death in the family but like a uh someone you know passing away and it makes you sad so like the olympics for example mm. you know getting taken away and COVID hitting like both of them were in the best shape of their life you know millie was in new york about to run the half then she was going off to rotterdam to run the the full and you know it's really competitive spot to get a the, we've got four women in Australia qualified for the marathon for the Olympics and she's number four and she's a minute and a half under the qualifying time. So she, and she was 16th in, in Rio and, you yeah. know, she's run quicker. So um, she was in the shape of her life, keen to go over. And all of a sudden we're sitting there. That's the, we landed in New York and then the race was canceled. And we're like, geez, yeah. what can we do? We could, you know, we went to a couple of pubs and stuff, but the, <laughs> We had NBA tickets; they were cancelled. The, oh. All the museums were shut. All the all the touristy stuff was closing. Couldn't go to a Broadway show or anything like that. Any any cultural stuff you do in New York, so that was difficult. But then we quickly realised that you know the Olympics weren't likely to be on, and then that was the case. And so she's just been adjusting, earning some money, living at home in in Launceston. But you know it's no different to a recreational runner, just because they're, they're elites, you know, and, and she derives a bit of income from it. Um, you know, it's still, you, she doesn't do it. No, no athletes that I work with anyway, run for the money. Like they run because they enjoy it. They're good at it. They want to get better at it, which is no different to a recreational runner at any level. So it's been difficult, but you know, she's then had to supplement whatever prize money she could earn, you know, with clean, you know, jobs. And she's got a master's in, in nutrition and she's been cleaning toilets at a school and, and, and doing whatever it takes to get by. And, you know, that's, hats off and credit to you. We're, we're in a pandemic. We're in a likely to be a depression and you just got to do what you can to get yeah. by. She's going back to study. She's a super cool human being. I love spending time with Millie. She's very intelligent, lots of fun, world-class athlete. And, and yeah. she'll be fine. We'll, we'll see. She'll get on that team for Tokyo. We'll, we'll find a race for her to get a time. And as for Jack, you know, he, he ran three PBs in a row and then bang, season shut down. Yeah. So, he was he was banging on that door with a sledgehammer for a 10.05. He went, he started the season at 10.21, went 10.19, 10.14, 10.12. We had a few more races lined up. He was he was good to go. Rowan Browning was elbowing him in the lane next to him, side <laughs> by side. Like these guys were just on fire. And at one stage, Jack and Rowan was, I think, into August. They were the fourth and fifth fastest guys in the world this year. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, Australia's got some bang on exciting sprinters at the moment and it's yeah. super it, it's super great to be a part of him and he's a very different human to to Millie I I tossed a coin as to which one I'd have to have dinner with they're um, <laughs> they're, they're both great characters in their own yeah. right I love spending time with both of them but in very different ways yeah. um Jack's pretty you, you'd think the opposite of the events that they do Jack's pretty quiet yeah converted whereas Millie's over the top and she's a distance runner, whereas Jack's a sprinter. So yeah, yeah, a bit of mismatch. Yeah. <laughs> they, they get along well together too when we get when we catch up for coffees between the epic team. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's good to get an insight though from you um, on those two athletes. And uh, yeah, I no, appreciate you jumping on and uh, yeah, give us an update on events because I know from um, from the runners over here in Victoria and it's, it's been a bit of a, um, I guess, I mean, blind, it's just been a bit hard to get a, any visibility and of what is actually happening behind the scenes. And that's, that was the reason I want to get you on and you're very open and honest about where things are at. And, and it's just great to hear the things that's in the pipeline for um, events coming up. 
Yeah, and follow AMSI on any socials as well. We try to update people on what events are going ahead and, you know, parts of the country are opening up and there's events, there are some events on. I've got a email that I send out, so I've got about a quarter of a million or so on a database that I send an Australian fun run update on. So yeah. contact me if you want to get put on that and we'll let you know, not dwelling on the stuff that's being cancelled, focusing on the stuff that is going on and some states do have a bit of a free economy at the moment and if you can get to them then, well, I mean, it's come down and, you know, if you can support an event in any way, you know, when you, it's the same, same thing, our, our, our industry is on its knees and, and a lot of these events won't come back. I, I hate to be as blunt as that. Yeah. I, I hope it's not any of my events, but there's talk that, you know, more than half of our events may not return. You know, they they got overheads and things. And, and fortunately, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm not even a small business, mate. I'm a micro business and I, I bring in hundreds of people to work for me on event day, but I'm able to keep my costs low and, and my events will be fine and we'll, we'll kick on, but, but plenty don't. So when you're entering an event, you know, buy the, buy the brag tag, buy the t-shirt, you know, buy the VIP package, whatever you can do to, if, if you've got the extra income, if you've been getting job keeper and you, and you've got a little bit extra around, give a little bit extra when these events do open up because they're going to need, the support and, and they've worked so you don't understand how much extra work goes into getting these events approved at the moment so yeah. take it easy on their social media pages as well you know the the mental health of these event organizers and i include myself in there it's been a, yeah. a bloody a bloody rough year for everyone yeah. so so when we make these announcements to postpone or cancel don't bash us it's not like we yeah. want to you know we understand you're disappointed but i can assure you no one is more disappointed than an event organiser. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean that—that's a great message, and I think people do get lost in that. Is that you guys? This is your Brett. This is your livelihood. You want events to happen more than anyone out there. And I think if, um, as a running community, can really band behind these events as they come back on, and and, and like you said, support them. And uh, yeah, so I appreciate your time, uh, Rich, and I'll let you get back. I know you're um you're uh, near the pub at the moment so i'll um i'll get you to uh, let you get back on the um on the beers i'm in a i'm in a paddock with my family at a boutique <laughs> farm cidery it's uh it's really nice i haven't seen the fam much recently so we're uh, playing with the animals with the little girl next that's fun <laughs> awesome mate enjoy it well thanks again good to catch up thanks mate love your work for the sport well done cheers mate take care Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Better With Running podcast. As always, great to have a few different interviews and uh, hear from uh, Steph and Llewellyn uh, recapping that 100K, as well as I really enjoyed catching up with uh, Richard Welsh and it was great to get a perspective on uh, the event space and uh, yeah, some things in the pipeline which, which are exciting for the running community. And uh, yeah, as always, um, thanks again for all the support on uh, with the reviews and definitely keep following us on socials. We've got an exciting uh, takeover episode that's going to be recorded in the next couple of days. We've got Madeline Heiner, uh, Sophie Fit, and Gemma Maney uh, jumping on for an episode, which uh, yeah, which will be really exciting. So um, there'll be an opportunity to post a few questions on our socials. So yeah, definitely get involved in that one. But for now, enjoy the rest of your run. <laughs>